Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the latest fun new trend in church and world alike is starting with the assumption that we are already right and working backwards until we can prove somebody else wrong. That's why it's super fun to go on the internet these days. Here's what I believe. Now, maybe I should probably try and find some Bible passages to prove how I'm right and you're wrong. Now, maybe I can find some sort of rough statistics to back up the claim that I refuse to be moved from, no matter what. We start with the supposed answers and walk backwards to try and work facts into our point. And it is not the way of peace, but of anger, of conflict, bitterness. We grab hold of the book that God gave us for our comfort, and we ask, how can I use the Bible for a weapon? to prove that I am right, to prove that you are wrong, to win points for my tribe, my party, my denomination. Thing is, if you start with the assumption that you are already right, that does not allow a single bit of room for God to actually teach you something from his word. This book stops being then a source of hope, of comfort, a place where God would actually reveal to you who he is. And it turns into a whole bunch of one-liners that you can sling at people on Twitter to prove how dumb or heretical they are. You can say that you care about truth, but if you've already made up your mind, you can't possibly be wrong. And the Bible only exists to back up your claims. Do you really? If this is the case... At best, you're as smart as God. He's just a little more eloquent sometimes. The bad guys, though, it's just easier when they're already laid out, already named. I know who is on the wrong side, and I know they're terrible. Then you just square off, sling a few Bible passages at each other, maybe some rough statistics, say that the other side is far less Christian, far less spiritual, whatever you want to say. Thing is, this isn't about helping people anymore, is it? It's about winning. When it becomes about winning, and not about helping, whatever it is, it's not Christian. I'll give you an easy test. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that parents and their children live together? If you have to filter that through your party's immigration policy before you can answer, just take a deep breath. Just pause for half a second and use what Scripture says to guide your answer, not what your party believes to guide your approach to the Holy Scriptures. Because here, Scripture is actually very clear. There is a simple and resounding yes throughout all the pages of the Word of God. It is good for parents and children to live together. From the fourth commandment, which calls children to honor their father and mother and so their parents to care for their children. From the Psalms, which speak of children as being a heritage of the womb, a reward. From the very song of Zechariah the prophet, who finally gets his own child, holds it in his arms, and cannot but sing to God for his prayers have been answered for his wife's prayers have been answered for she's no longer a reproach to her people for even though Elizabeth is advanced in years begging for a child all her life it's finally answered and she holds John it is good for children to be with their parents and if you'd stop trying so hard to prove that the bad guys are as bad as you would describe them on the internet or when they're not in the room it's a whole different conversation. I realize that there are complications that need to be dealt with. I realize that there are 
complexities that make immigration something that will not be solved from pulpits or on 24-hour new, news networks alike. Honestly, I wouldn't expect one guy standing in a pulpit to have all the answers. I wouldn't expect somebody paid to rant on cable TV to be able to solve all the problems of the world. The problem is, though, we have stopped looking to these places for guiding principles, for facts, for truths, to address these hard questions. We have started looking to them simply for an affirmation that we were right all along so that looking back, we can say whatever happens is not our fault. Thing is, if everything is already broken, that is not as much of a comfort as you seem to think. What does I told you so actually fix? Still, the people get the wrong idea about John the Baptist because he was a weird dude. He lived out in the woods, he dressed funny, he yelled at people all the time. He would rather go to his death, correcting the morality of the people around him, than relax one single word that God sent him to say, so he had his head cut off for telling Herod not to sleep with his sister-in-law. John was sent to be a messenger of comfort, a voice crying in the wilderness, a prophet of the Most High who would go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give the people knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of their sins, to give light to those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. John was a messenger of comfort, but we get the wrong idea because most of the time he really just sort of yells, repent all you sinners. Be baptized because you need forgiveness. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. It's going to get cut down, thrown into the fire. Comfort, comfort, comfort. We get the idea that Comfort is having nice things. Comfort is being proved right. Comfort is nothing bad around us. Repentance, though, it starts with repent. Because comfort isn't actually walking backward to somehow prove that it's somebody else's fault. The way of peace, the way of peace is where sinners are brought to the cross of Christ. Repentance starts with truth. God is actually smarter than us. He gives you this book to tell you about things that you would not otherwise get your head around. He has something to show us. Repentance starts with truth. God is bigger than us. But he loves us even when we're wrong. Even when the word of God would call us wrong. It always manages to call us loved, forgiven, cared for. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. See, John was sent to give light to those who sit in darkness. John was sent to speak about peace for sinners, not those who are always right, not those who won the argument, not those who never messed up, but sinners desperate for a little bit of help, sinners who for the life of them couldn't figure out the right answers to the biggest problems and were tearing their hair out because of it, sinners who actually needed help. This is who John speaks comfort to. John was sent to baptize for forgiveness for sinners, for me, for you, for us. We are not the light. We do not have all the answers because the answers come from outside of us. John was not the light either, but he bore witness to the light, the light that dwells in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. This is where the honest truth would begin. It starts with a frustration that we all have to the hardest problems in this life. A voice says, cry. And I said, what do I even say? All flesh is grass. Its beauty is like the flower of the fields. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. What do I talk about when everything is falling apart? 
and even being right doesn't make you whole. The grass withers, the flower fades. What do I even say that actually helps? What do I say when people come looking for answers I don't have to problems I can't fix? What do I say when we are striving against insurmountable decay and frustration that no matter how hard we scratch and scrape, we suffer and die? What helps? Truth matters, but being right and proving others wrong has saved nobody. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is where we start. God is merciful to sinners. God is merciful to those who struggle. God is even merciful to those who are wrong. When God sees the anger that causes so much pain in our world, the sin that begets havoc and suffering and death, he joins it. He visits his people, not just to tell them all the ways that they were wrong, but to redeem us, to bear our sins upon a cross, that he would bleed and die, that we would be more than just the people who can say, I told you so. We can be the people of God washed clean in his blood. We can be the people forgiven. We can be the people who might not know all the answers and might not win every fight, but we are the ones that cling to the truth that God loves us anyway, that God even loves sinners, and that God would be our righteousness, that God would be our hope. And this is why truth matters, not so that we can march out into the world and win fights, but so that when we lose, we would still have the consolation that God will fight for us, that this word of God endures forever, that even death itself would not hold him. For even as Christ was given over unto death to bear your sin and mine for every last time that we stood on the wrong side, for every last time that we were wronged, for every last time that it has all fallen apart and we just don't even know why, and for every last time that we knew full well what we were doing and did it anyway, he bled and died so that we can be forgiven. And then he rose, alive, well. The word made flesh endures forever, and we will endure with him. We will be clothed in the same righteousness and holiness, not that which we have earned, but that which he has given for us. This is what hope is based upon. Christianity is not about winning. It's about being saved. John, the very last prophet, spoke of Jesus, of the forgiveness of sins, because Christianity is not about being right. It's about being forgiven. It doesn't endure because you behave well enough or because you're so smart or because you're so right, but because God is so merciful. This, this is why the truth matters. This is why we will not give an inch against the word of God because it speaks of hope, of life, of forgiveness to those who struggle and sin and fail. It speaks of life for sinners who don't have the answers. And so we hang on to it for all we are worth. There is a lot to figure out. There will be disagreements and fights. It just means that people actually care about the same stuff. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. But we will not measure our peace by how many battles we win. John the Baptist was humiliated, arrested, and beheaded. Herod won. John lost, even though John was right all along. Herod's head was paraded around on a silver platter because he would not give an inch to the word of God. And the comfort the disciples had was not saying, I told you so, and then casting blame. It was the transfiguration. It was seeing John the Baptist alive and well. He who was Elijah come again, standing at the right hand of Jesus, clothed in white robes, alive and well. Because even death itself was not so insurmountable that God could not fix it. 
Comfort, comfort my people, for even when you are cast down, the Lord lifts up. Comfort is that John walked in the way of peace, the way of the cross, the path that Christ has already walked for him and for you and for me and for all. And this is a way that endures not only being wrong, not only being a sinner, but even being wrong. For God cares enough about this place to die to redeem it, to rise to save it, to level the things that we have broken in our attempts to win. Every valley will be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground will become leveled and the rough places a plane that we might go forward in hope, not desperation, and comfort, not bitterness. Yeah, we've got a lot to figure out, and sometimes there are just no easy answers or Bible passages to point out the complexities, the problems that avail us. But there is a victory that cannot be taken, even if you lose a fight and a salvation for you, even if you are wrong and sinful. There is forgiveness, there is salvation. And it is from Christ who is given to die and rise for you. This is the truth that we will build forward upon. This is the path of peace. This is what will carry us forward. For John is alive this day rejoicing. Our Lord has delivered him finally from the hands of his enemies, not by winning, but by rising. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your Lord is risen. It's okay. I don't have all the answers either. But I have a God who saves. And this this is what we cling to, for he will bring us through. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.